0: Welcome to the latest edition of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. As you can tell, I am not Pierce. I am Caroline. And flying solo today, kind of, in the Streaking the Lawn world that you are familiar with. But I do have an outstanding guest that is here to help us shed some light on the Pitt Panthers, who are Virginia football's first foe coming up week one. And that is Craig Meyer from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Craig, how are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. Are you excited for football season? I know you're primarily basketball, but what's the vibe in Pittsburgh right now? Season's getting ready to start for the reigning coastal champs.
1: Yeah, no, you know, it's a pretty, it's pretty upbeat. You know, everybody's in the best shape of their lives. Um, I think they really have the potential to to surprise some people. Um, (laughs) You know, all, you know, all the sort of Usual fun, optimistic stuff that, uh, you know, like in two months will be kind of, you know, tampered down a little bit.
0: (laughs) Your team's really good and worked out hard this summer. Your opponent is all lazy and they don't know what's going to hit them when week one rolls around.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, this week, this year's a little bit different because, um, you know, I think we can all attribute this to the start of the ACC network. Uh, But Virginia, obviously playing Pitt, which is not only an ACC foe, but a, a divisional. Coastal competitor, um, how do you feel about that? Like, is that exciting? I mean, we're going to see that come basketball season too for a few of the teams. But do you do you like the idea of starting things with the with a game that like legitimately matters and will start one of these teams off with an advantage or disadvantage in, in the coastal? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, like part of me kind of wishes that, you know, that, you know, that it maybe wasn't a team like, uh, like a Virginia where this may end up being such an important coastal game. It may even end up determining which team wins, uh, wins that division. Um, but yeah, it, it really does seem weird, um, you know, because over the past few years, I've gotten used to, you know, Pitt's played Villanova, they've played Albany, Delaware in their season opening games. So it's really yeah. weird um you know to uh do uh do kind of see this but the thing with like those years though was those were formalities like they're going to win those games they were usually really boring games too cuz so those would be week one and then week two they would play Penn State. So in week one they uh they really wouldn't want to be like showing their hand too much. They'd play these really vanilla offenses, which <laughs> yeah. actually I probably shouldn't even call them like vanilla offenses cause, because vanilla at least has some kind of flavor. These were just like <laughs> abominations. Um but they um but yeah, it'll definitely be weird. I think it'd be weirder in basketball though. Um but for football though, yeah, I think I mean, obviously, it's catered around the ACC network and that being launched. Um, But, I mean, it's not a change of pace. Like, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, the season opener, like, two years being, you know, being like a typical Patsy and then the third year it being more like like this. Uh, Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it.
0: It should be a lot of fun. I just – I mean, yeah, the biggest thing I think that I think about is there's so many fans that I've seen already where are determining – With Virginia being on this hopefully upward trajectory, continuing people getting excited about the program, all this stuff, a lot of people are saying like this first game is going to set the tone. And I don't necessarily fully disagree, but also it's a lot of pressure to put on like one conference game where you wouldn't say a week eight game against Pitt would be what the whole season hinges on. But I understand like it sets the tone for excitement and all that good stuff. With around, so like I kind of casually jokingly mentioned, but Pitt won the Coastal last year. And I think that's a fact that's kind of, flown under the radar a little bit, especially coming into this year. Virginia was I think to the surprise of some, many, all, I don't know, predicted to finish first by the media in the coastal. Um is there kind of a nobody respects us vibe around the team right now or around the fan base? And and how do you think that do you think that's accurate? Do you think that you know there's some changes that Pitts going through um, coaching staff wise, which we'll hit on a little bit too, but um is that's kind of something that you've felt and is that fair? Like do you think they'll use that to their advantage?
1: Yeah, no, there's definitely, you know, like around the team or around their facility, there's definitely that sort of sentiment there. Um, I think even last year, you know, it, it really may seem weird, but even last year when and they were in the midst of winning the, the the Coastal Division title, it was so unexpected. And it came from, you know, from like sort of a strange, kind of uninspiring team that, you know, that even though the, that they went 6-2 and two in their conference games, that they like still even felt it you know, and like that moment, just cause it was, uh, it was so unexpected. And I think given how good Clemson was last year, there, you know, there was sort of, a, there was sort of this idea, which obviously proved it obviously turned out to be true that, you know, that really, you know, that a team winning that division was really no more than a formality that someone had to win it and they would be sort of the like chum for, you know, or the piata yeah. for Clemson or <laughs> uh, for, uh, for uh, for Clemson just to beat up on on their way to, to the college football playoff, um, but I mean for that program it was a pretty big moment. I mean they had never, you know, they were obviously fairly new t- uh, to the conference. So I don't know how much a stat like this means, but it was a first division title. Um, I mean, I it was pretty bleak there for a while earlier in the year for them when they were one and three. I mean, we were talking to the AD about the coach's job security, even though he had he was in his first year of a new seven year contract. Um, but they are definitely playing that card though, you know, where they sort of where any validation that they were thinking that they would have gotten from last season by kind of having that breakthrough and winning a division title. It really, you know, it really hasn't transpired. They bring a lot of guys back, but they were picked, I think fourth, uh, preseason in the division. Um, and i think with the you know and i think with virginia being uh being their opening game there's a sort yeah. of symbolism to that where this team that feels disrespected that didn't even in the moment get the respect that they felt like they uh they deserved now get to you know and as 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 they begin to try to defend their title they're you know they're playing the team that's picked to dethrone them so i think that there's a little bit of of extra motivation or inspiration that comes with that um, you know, football players, and I think all athletes can kind of manufacture adversity or <laughs> yeah. uh, or motivation. You know, you'll even talk to people who play football at Alabama or basketball at Duke, always talking about, oh, n- you know, nobody believes in us. But I think with Pitt, um, I think even after last season, there's probably a little bit more of a kernel of truth to it.
0: That's Yeah, that's a really fair point. There's always <laughs> – I mean, our – listeners our Virginia fans have done the same thing with you know, a basketball team that for a while felt like it wasn't getting respect it deserved and now you know hey we have to drop we're contractually obligated to mention it at least once a podcast that Virginia won the 2019 NCAA championship so I just want to make sure I fulfill that um but I've you know.
1: forgotten honestly so it's uh you know I always do appreciate the I'm like semi-annual <laughs> reminder of it
0: yeah. I'm here to help we're you know anytime we get a chance to mention it but yeah so when you look at some challenges that Pitt might face or things. When I first look at this game, I think out the gate, it's easier for defenses to be a little bit more set with knowing what you're going to do. Virginia's defense was really strong in the end of last year and then you bring in a position that was pretty weak or not necessarily weak but didn't have a lot of depth was the defensive line. They've really stepped that up with new players coming in, with returning guys getting healthy again, especially, you know, they lost a guy against Pitt, which I felt was kind of the turning point of the game last year, um, yeah. especially against, you know, a team that ran all over Virginia last year, getting that defensive line set up. They've got strong linebackers. Return Bryce Hall, who's arguably the best cornerback in the country let alone in the ACC on the other side Pitt's bringing in a new offensive coordinator what do you see this Pitt offense kind of looking like day one you know game one as they step out that first time at Heinz Field
1: so I think at the very least they're going to be more balanced um you know last year they were a very you know they were a very uh run heavy team I don't even think that was so much a philosophical thing I think it was just that you know I I think it was just that they realized kind of mid-season that they had, you know, that they sort of discovered in identity for themselves. You know, where they realized they had their best chance of putting up points and really uh, and really excelling overall as a team was to really lean on their two senior uh, running backs. Their O-line was much better at run blocking than they were pass blocking. And because of that, their quarterback Kenny Pickett was never really able to kind of find a rhythm or build on any confidence that uh, that uh, that came from the end of his freshman season when he uh, when he when he helped lead them to an upset of Miami, who was number two at the time, and that was sort of his big coming out performance. And you had a full off season uh, uh, of expectations when he was about to be a sophomore, and there's this thought that hey, Pitts maybe for the first time. I mean, I guess you'd probably have to go back at least maybe fifteen years or so to someone like Tyler Palco, like, hey, they've like finally found a a uh, a quarterback that the program can sort of build uh, build its identity around. I guess with uh, some of the spotty uh with some of the spotty pass pr- pr- uh, protection as well as I guess pickets over- overall lack of development that really never came to fruition and then that was a big reason why they made a change you know, why they made a change at offensive coordinator, firing Sean Watson and, you know, and, and not only bringing in someone new, but bringing in someone like Mark Whipple, who's, you know, whose history and his pedigree is really, it's very past-based, um, you know, where uh, where his offense is at UMass and even going way, way back to his days at Brown, like in the 1990s, he's someone who, um, you know, who's very, uh you know, you know, the, I feel like the term quarterback whisper gets gets probably tossed around a little too casually sometimes. But he's someone who's worked with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, who's who was who on, you know, some some staffs that competed for Super Bowl. So yeah. um, I feel like he's someone that I feel like this year I feel like the onus is partially on him, you know, because he's new and because you know you know and because he was seen as a fix for uh for bowl is a huge problem but i think it's yeah it, i think it's also kind of on picket too where you fix what seemingly seems like one problem by re, uh, by replacing you know by replacing the coordinator of a struggling pass offense but if it gets to the point now where he's where he's kind of languished under two under two offensive coordinators
0: mm-hmm. That
1: falls a little bit more on him um so i think they'll be counting on him a lot more uh, you know, uh, this season than they did last season, it, it, you know, if only because uh, Quadri Olson and Darren Hall have both graduated. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that you've, and especially with the group of the wide receivers that he's got too, I mean, they have a fairly experienced group there. They probably have, I think, about six different guys who can really make a pretty solid impact for them. Yeah. Um, so when you combine the, you know, it being a year older, having a new coordinator, and the options that he has to throw to, I think that so much of the season really rests on how he and and uh, and Mark Whipple, and to a lesser extent their offensive line, which had to replace four starters. Yeah, I think it really. I think that this team's overall success really rests on those different variables and factors.
0: When you look specifically at this first game and when it's happening and. How much they had to replace, and you know, you talk about the offensive line, and I know there was a an injury to one of the offensive linemen, which is I that's always the worst. It's brutal. I hate for these kids to you know lose a whole yeah. It just sucks the whole thing. Um, you look at week one. Do you see someone that can step up? Kind of like like Hall had three touchdowns. <laughs> um, they he had all three of um Pitt's touchdowns last season in Charlottesville. Uh, the biggest yeah. one being this seventy-five yard run that put Pitt ahead for really – I mean, I guess they technically went ahead for good when they went up 14-10, but you're looking at a 14-13 mm. game with you know 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and then the next series really Hall just unloads one, and that really put it out of reach. Mandy Alonzo was one of the guys that got hurt D-line-wise for the Hoos, and that was kind of when they were unable to really get, you know, get, get Pitt to stop eating up so much clock and working their way down the field. Do you see a guy like Hall – it's a lot to ask you know, Pickett to step into game one against a mm-hmm. good secondary, against a solid core of linebackers, against now a new, refreshed defensive line, um, and really throw for a ton of yards. I think he only had 61 yards in that game last year. Um, who do you think can step up like a haul, or is there too much that you think is going to be put on the running game, and how do you kind of see that working out?
1: Yeah, you know they still have a fairly experienced backfield. You know, like, you know, like they bring back AJ Davis and and Todd Sibley, and there's a freshman too, and Vincent uh, Davis, who's someone when you talk to members of that staff, they feel fairly confident in. You know, someone who I think could really be a, a breakthrough player for them this year. Except when you look at that group of guys, you, you know, so so much of what they did last year rested on uh, on Olson and Hall. That you know that those were guys who you would see you, who you would see really flashes from you know where there would be guys who would you know who would bust off a 12 uh, yard run and look yeah. really good doing so or or there'd be a like spin move where you know where you'd kind of rise up in your seat a little bit and be like whoa, I think you know I think that guy could really be something. But you know, but overall with those guys, I mean AJ Davis, I see you know he gained you know he only ran for uh, for 134 yards last year, averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Um, you know when you look at you know at, at, at Todd Sibley, who's uh, who's uh, who's listed or other starter, you know they still haven't differentiated yet, uh, which one of them is on top of their depth chart. Yeah. Um, I mean, he played in seven games last year and only ran once. Um, So I think that that's still a fairly unproven group. So the thing I could see would be maybe something a little bit more in the middle. Um, I don't see them suddenly morphing into this really pass happy team.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I could also see them kind of easing picket in a little bit with maybe some shorter or, uh, or, uh, or maybe some intermediate passes too. Um, You know, where you try to, yeah you know, we're uh, we're a guy whose confidence probably took a hit last year um you know I think you put him into situations where he can gradually build that up a little bit where you maybe get him rolling out of the pocket where he's been more comfortable in the past um that would be what i would uh what i would- uh, expect but obviously with there being a a new coordinator there's that factor of play too and you know w- when you talk with guys I don't know if it's them just kind of hyping up the the first game but you know, but it, you know, but it's almost been kind of a, like, you know, I think you guys are going to be impressed or, or kind of blown away sure. with yeah. what you <laughs> see mentality. But, again, that could also just be preseason talks. Uh, it'll be interesting for sure.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the other side of the ball, um, Bryce Perkins is someone that is – a lot of people consider, and I put myself in the same boat, the second best quarterback in the ACC behind uh, Trevor Lawrence, which is not a bad place to be, honestly. If you <laughs> got to be behind someone, Trevor Lawrence, I guess, is sure fine. Uh, pretty good, pretty good quarterback. Um, they do have to replace them, you know, especially J- uh, Jordan Ellis. And you're looking at Alameda Zacchias now in the NFL. Um, but there's some talented receivers: see Dubois, Joe Reed, stepping in. Um, Running back by committee, I think both Pitt and Virginia had kind of the same uh, depth chart where it really wasn't a depth chart. It's just like, here are the six guys that we've been, you know, handling. Oh, like a whole
1: bunch of ores. Yeah.
0: Or, 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 or. And so there's obviously some voids there that Virginia also has to show that they can step up into. But how do you, when you look at the Pitt defense and you look at trying to slow someone down, it's as dynamic as Bryce Perkins. What What position groups stand out to you for Pitt?
1: Um... I would think, you know, their defensive line took took a, took us such a big hit with Rashad Weaver tearing his ACL. You know, that was a guy who you looked at that defense, and that was – he was really not only a, you know, a very obvious standout for him, but, you know, and obviously this only matters so much in, in college football, but when you looked at that team, he was sort of the one guy who right now you could look at and say easily projected – to Being a you know a a guy who'd be picked in you know in the first three or four rounds of the NFL draft, um, so I think not having him re- uh, really 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 uh, really hurts him up front. Um, yeah. I would say I would look maybe a little bit more to the to the secondary. Um, you know, Dane Jackson, a cornerback, may be the best returning player on this defense now with Weaver being out. Uh, Demar, you know, De, uh, De, Demar Hamlin's a senior who you know who Really came on last year is you know has certainly made a pretty big impact um, on this defense over the past couple of, uh, of years. And I think the real, I think one of the X factors for uh, for this uh, for this group is also in that secondary in Paris Ford, who's probably the highest rated recruit um, on, uh, on this team. Obviously, that doesn't maybe mean you know he, like right now he's a redshirt sophomore, so I don't you know so like some of those rankings. Uh, nice as they are, they may be only so relevant now. Um, but he, but he's someone he's really stepping into a, a a prominent starting role for the first time. So I think a lot of people are really excited about uh, about what he can do, you know, with his athleticism and just kind of his aggressive, confident mindset. Um, so I would say that in the you know the in a game like this, obviously neutralizing someone like Perkins is so difficult given all that he can do. Um, but with Weaver being out, I think that this team's strength is probably more in their pass defense that, uh, than their run defense and being able to really put pressure on the quarterback.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that, I guess, could work out for Virginia fans then because Perkins, if you give him a little space, he can scamper. Uh. <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> put you, it mildly, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, he's he's been known to uh, get some runs in here and there. Um, so how do you see this one playing out? Obviously it's a home game for Pitt. I think the line – this is me, everyone listening who knows me and gambling can laugh at this part because <laughs> uh, I think the line started slightly in favor of Pitt but has moved to Virginia slightly. I think I saw it at two-and-a-half uh, favorite, point favorite for the Who's. Where do you see – I guess how do you see Saturday playing out? What's your prediction?
1: Um, it's really tough. Um, I don't – you know – I, uh, obviously, that's a little bit of a cop out there, but
0: I it's mean, I think
1: you know, so Pitt, <laughs> yeah, you know, so Pitt, since they joined the ACC in 2013, you know, there's been kind of like a long running gag here about, uh, about how no, no matter how good Pitt is, and, and no matter how bad North Carolina is, North Carolina always beats them. It's just they're, <laughs> they're like snake bending against them. Maybe it was a Larry Fedora. Type thing where he yeah. had some magic hex over them, and now that he's gone, maybe things will change. But kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum, Pitt's done really well, against yeah. Virginia, you know, Pat Narduzzi is four <laughs> and oh against them. Um, since Pitt joined the league, I think that they're five and one,
0: and it's always been, um, and I've said this before, Virginia. it's always been such terrible games, like normally, yeah. it's like. I look at the schedule and I'm just like, no matter what the team makeups are, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a loss for Virginia because no matter what happens, it's this like horrible rock fight and it's always just a weird game. Yeah. like, Yeah. It's just weird. Oh, no. and, like, yeah. it's weird. I don't know. It's, these always freak me out. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh,
1: no, no. I mean, it's really strange. You know, you you go through the scores of it. It's 24-19, 26-19, 31-14, 23-13. A, you know, and the only good one that there was – was uh, three it was three years ago in Charlottesville. that was 45 31 i missed that game because i was getting married that day but sure it, i guess uh,
0: i <laughs> can't believe you'd miss but, a mid uva game for anything but i guess a wedding is fine yeah i get i cut a couple plays i saw I,
1: I think it was a kickoff return for a touchdown i do remember that or <laughs> i'm been a pick six in that game too my mind was obviously elsewhere that day but sure. um you know, PIDs very you know they're very weird in you know in season openers as we had talked about before. The past couple of years, they really haven't been tested. You know where they've been playing Villanova and Albany and schools like that, where the objective's more like, hey, don't give too much away for Penn State week. Um, but you know, they've had some games. Like, I mean, being at home, I don't know how much that uh, uh, how much that really uh, that really helps. It's a yeah. constant source of uh, conversation here. Obviously Pitt <laughs> played, uh you know, they play in an NFL stadium and seats 68,000. Pitt's a school that'd be probably best suited to have more of like a 45 to 50,000 seats, uh, yeah. seat, uh seat stadium. And when you have like 15,000 empty seats, uh, behind seal, they can seem very empty and very quiet. So yeah. I don't know how much of an advantage th- uh, that they get from that. Um, it's just you know obviously you know obviously season openers we don't have too much to base on other than preseason chatter and preseason hype. Um, I'd say if I was going through pit schedule I'd pick them to win, um, but I also you know this is one of those games that I see as kind of more of a toss up. Um, I again I think there's a measure of pride uh, with this game where they're the defending coastal champ and they're playing against the team that. I'm sure the way that they're talking it up is coming for their crown, um, <laughs>
0: which is still so. But weird, this by is all for, <laughs> for Virginia. No, Virginia, no, no. Like, I'm sorry, what you think we're going to win games oh, like enough to win what, the division? That's crazy. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because I mean, it was only what like a couple years back when a Bronco Mendenhall was like, oh, I think I I I only have like 20 ACC caliber players on my team. Was it some? Like was that only like a couple years ago?
0: Yeah, that was technically last year, and was taken oh, extremely out of con- out of context. But he was trying to lay out a bold picture for. I think it was when he showed up, type uh. thing. Anyway, it was the whole thing. But yeah, it- <laughs> Bronco doesn't mess around with his words, man. He know And the funny thing to me is, like, I guarantee, like, I know that he told the players those all the same sentiments. Like, this is where I want you to be at a certain point because right now, like, you're, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a long road for Virginia fans.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: In football, again, in football.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, because, uh, with the basketball, I mean, I forgot how last season ended, but yeah, I think I mean, it was okay.
0: I think it was pretty good. Um, so if you <laughs> have if, like, you know, your, your reputation was staked on it, you pick and pit.
1: Yeah, I'll say, I'll say something like 24 to 23. I, I mean, I think it would be. Re- very close, yeah. um, but oh, I could yeah. easily see it going the other way. I mean, yeah. you know, and and I think part of it with Pitt is I'm just like mentally, you know, they're like first four games are tough. Where even their easiest game in in, in there is against Ohio, who I think is the preseason favorite in the MAC. So like there's part of me that has trouble seeing them go, you know, starting uh 1 and 3. So maybe like mentally I'm like, "Ah, oh, well yeah. 2 and yeah. 2 like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think they'll be great, but I don't think they'll be bad." So 2 and 2 makes sense to be 2 and 2. They probably have to beat Virginia. Yeah. Um and I could yeah, it's just it's you know, it's it's again at this point where we don't have much evidence to really work on. I'm kind of leaning more toward that. Um, it's just entirely a feel thing. Again, I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if uh, if Virginia won that game. I mean, I also wouldn't be shocked if they won it by two touchdowns. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, I don't know if like mentally the team, you know, Pitt maybe, you know, because I, I, there's like sort of a budding rivalry almost with them and Virginia Tech, where you know, because you know, cause they have some recruiting battles with them. Um, there, there. Here seems to be some general distaste there.
0: I think Pat Nargisie
1: seems to like, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> well, you know, like is, you know, do your fans have that in common with Pitt fans? Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, they, you, you know, So, uh, so maybe there's some a little bit of kinship there. But yeah, they, um, you know, Pat Narduzzi seems to like Bronco Mendenhall a lot. I just I don't know if it's they seem like fairly similar guys, at least as far yeah. as you know, like very manly men. Um, so I don't know if like that factors into where. You know, if that takes away a little bit, I'm probably reading into this way too much because, again, you know, <laughs> Both lost, you know, you know all places. teams are zero and zero, so this is the yeah. kind of dumb stuff that I end up talking about. But, yeah, I'll say hitting in the close one. I've been rambling on just, again, because <laughs> I don't have a real firm read on this.
0: <laughs> no, it's understandable. Um, so just like a bit of an overall picture for the Coastal, how, and we have a little bit of a head start, if you will, thanks to Week Zero and seeing Miami play. Who was your favorite to win the coastal?
1: Um, despite last week being a comedy of errors of points, I'm still gonna say Miami. I think um, that offensive line looks pretty brutal, but I, re- you know, I was impressed with the, what I saw from their quarterback. Yeah, um, you know, that was something they were clearly, you know, even the year where they got up to number two in the country, something they were very clearly missing. Um, and they just have so much talent down there. So I'm going to go with Miami in, in that division. Virginia would probably be my second pick. Um, beyond those two, I think there's a bit of a drop-off. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, like Carolina obviously ha- has a new coach. Uh, Virginia Tech's lost a whole lot, and there seems to be a little bit of turmoil around that program. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you have, like, Georgia Tech, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch because <laughs> –
0: <laughs> yeah. Know, tri- moving on
1: from the triple option. It's, yeah. I just don't like, you know, Jeff Collins, of doing well there. I just don't year one seems like it's going to be rough. It's just a really tough transition. So yeah. yeah, I'll say, I don't know who I'd pick third, but definitely uh, one, I'd go with Miami and two I'd go with uh, UVA. All right. I'll
0: take that. And then let's, uh, let's switch gears just a little bit. Um, Cause you're again, like I said, the primarily the basketball guy, uh what's your taking are you going into a second year with new head coach what's it been like with the transition after you know perennial favorite Kevin Stallings moved on um and you know Jeff Capel's there now did I get that is that the right Capel Jeff yes yeah um and going into his second year how do you see the Pitt basketball team looking for this year
1: um I think the, the overall outlook on it's definitely more positive. Um, again, it's not saying too much because I remember covering that team, especially in Kevin's second season where it was yeah. just a hopeless pit of despair.
0: <laughs> no, <pun laughs> but no, they, um,
1: no, Oh God. No, yeah, no, no, I'm not nearly that clever. You know, <laughs> that, uh, that just happened to kind of slip out there. Um, But yeah, I mean, from the moment, uh, you know, from the moment that he got hired, there's definitely been enthusiasm around Capel. Um, They bring back pretty much all but one person from, uh, from, uh, from last season who played a big role for them. Um, They bring in a pretty good class. Uh, I mean, last year it was, it sounds very sad, you know, especially for uh, for Virginia fans coming off a title to, uh, to hear this because it's a very low benchmark, but, you know, not finishing last in the ACC was a very big deal for them. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think this year they go, they finished 14th last year. I think this year you're probably realistically, I would think that their goals should probably be top 10 finish, like at the very best. Like I don't see them finishing in the upper half of the conference, yeah. but... You know, like maybe getting to like nine or ten, and then if you get to that point, you're probably making the nit. And like, if things really, really, really work out well, you're maybe in 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 the uh, in the conversation or at least on the bubble.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, going into the latter part of February. So, I mean, they won 14 games last year. I mean, you know, with bringing back guys like Xavier Johnson and Trey McGowan, Audis Tony, um, bringing in a pretty good class of, of freshmen and some transfers. I mean, I think, I think realistically, you can maybe see him ending up with like you know an eighteen nineteen win neighborhood. Um, but yeah, things are definitely kind of looking up, though. I mean, it's I remembered. I mean, I don't think it ever got worse. You know, and, and Virginia fans will probably remember this at least somewhat well, but. Um, and, Kevin, you know, this is in 2018 um, when Pitt, I think, was losing at halftime to Virginia at home on senior day, no less. They were losing 33-7, to 7, I think, at half. Yeah. Um, so they've, <laughs> they have right. moved far, far past that. Again, there's still a very long way to go. But
0: sure.
1: I think there is kind of an undeniable optimism around that program and the general direction that's headed in.
0: Yeah, I think you have to be because I mean I think that might have been the same season at one of Kevin Stallings' seasons, the Oh, and eighteen season, like that's brutal. Like that, were, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Like to come back from the baby steps, you know, it takes takes time to get the people that Capel wants in the system and get the system up and running and get people excited about the basketball team again. I remember the first couple seasons um, when Pitt joined the ACC and like you know, pits a top 15 team, like the Malcolm Brogdon games there were, you know, people actually showed up and were loud and it was, yeah, tough, it was tough to play. So it's a, I think the ACC's a more, yeah, it's more fun when top to bottom, everyone's competitive and dangerous any given night. So it um, should be fun. It's almost, I think 69 days as we're recording. Uh, so oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice bit of time before the season starts, but Craig, thank you so much for coming. I probably should stop
1: out. like making that joke. I'm 29. Like <laughs> I turned 30, I go, I'm way too old to be like saying nice anytime I hear the word 69. But. Never
0: too old for that joke ever. Um, so, where can the people find you if they're looking for some coverage on Saturday or heading into the basketball season? We find you on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my Twitter handle is at Craig Meyer M E Y E R uh, P G for Post Gazette. Um, and, you know, and then if you want to read my work, it's on post com slash sports, and you can mostly through the website there and find all the pick coverage that's fit the prints. So,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I will never turn down the clicks. I will never turn down the clicks.
0: Go check it out. Um, Craig, thanks for coming on taking the time. I always enjoy talking to you, and obviously next time you're in Charlottesville, we'll have to hang out.
1: Oh, no, no, uh, definitely. And uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Of course. And everyone, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to rate and review the podcast. Check out all the great stuff at com. We're going to give you a little bit of a primer to make sure you can see the game Saturday night if you are a Comcast customer or some of the others that still don't get ACC Network. So t- stay tuned for some of that stuff. And as always, go moves.